My name is Carly and I am an entrepreneur. These are the real, raw, and honest stories of myself, my colleagues, and my dearest friends, how we followed our dreams and continue to scale the mountain of success every day. Learn what it takes to make the next step and join us on the climb. Get ready to pull up your boss straps because this is Bossy Club. So I wanted to introduce you to all of my friends in social media land. We have been, you and I have been real friends for like, what, 10, 11, 12, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, since A the while. days of Long Beach. Yeah. We all lived in the LBC mm-hmm. and that was before my family moved to New York. Yeah, so we go way back and I, yeah, so I've been like tracking along with you and your business and your success and your life for a long I mean yeah I'm now hearing you say that makes me feel as old as I am yeah we've known each other for a third of my life so congrats (laughs) congratulations to me thank you (laughs) so happy Um, this is an honor just tell tell the listeners about you and kind of like your journey and then I'll dive into more questions um so the main thing about me right now in terms of work is I host a show for people people tv it's called people now it's a Mm -hmm. daily live entertainment news show basically so it's mm-hmm. the top headlines of the day and in terms of entertainment, the same type of things that you would see in People Magazine or, of course, on People.com. But yeah. that's also where we are. So we're like the video kind of version of all that. And we're on all the People platforms. Check it out every day. And we do interviews with celebrities. And um, one of the cool things that we're doing and while we're recording this right now, during award season, we're doing a ton of red, red carpet live coverage and red so carpet fun. shows and things like that, which I absolutely love. It's one of my favorite things of the year. Yeah. Well, you've done a lot of interviewing of movie, I guess, stars, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, whatever. movies and TV um, shows, yeah. But that's you've been doing that as long as I've known you. Yeah. So I'm actually kind of nervous talking to you because I'm like, I don't know what to say. But um, well, so far, it's you're fine. you're doing a great job. Oh, thanks. You know what? One thing that I always try to do in every interview mm-hmm. is my goal is to be conversational because it is. A, and you're really good at that generally in life. So oh, I feel good. like this is like the easiest fit for you ever. Oh, I'm not thanks. just saying that because I've had the honor of knowing you a third of it's your really life. Hot I actually mean it. in here. That's <laughs> I found my calling, Jeremy Parsons. This is it. Like, I'm curious, like, how in the world did you decide that you wanted to do this Mm -hmm. type of work? Yeah. I, it's funny because I often get messages on social media from people that knew me when I was a kid and they're like, this is what you always wanted to do. Yeah. That truly is. I was the, I was the total geek. I literally had in my, in my basement when I was in like junior high and high school, high school, that's too old. I should know better. But I like created a little studio. You did. And would do like, we, me and my sister would put on these like fake newscasts. Mm-hmm. We called it the Tomorrow Show, which was a hilarious playoff of the Today Show. Tomorrow. <laughs> we were friends in wherever you grew up, which I'm forgetting. West Virginia. West Virginia. Yeah. I always get you and your wife mixed up. Yeah. Where are you from? We would have done that together. Yeah. I'm. So I was all in early. Yep. I've always had an infatuation with it. I don't know what it was. I don't know why that was the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like... If that was something that I don't know, I don't know why, but I, I just yeah. have had an infatuation with it early. Um, some of it might have been because I, we moved around a bit when I was a kid, and maybe TV and and TV personalities might have. I've thought about this a lot. Like, yeah, maybe they felt like friends to me that lasted through all the transitions. Whoa, interesting. That's that sounds a little silly, but but when I've thought back about why was. I really driven to do it. Like I truly was. I always knew something like this was something I wanted to do. So that might be part of it. Like these people were, um, I idolized them in a way, I guess in hindsight that maybe they were like a consistent factor and yeah, 
I don't know, but so I wanted to do that. I went to college in Ohio and I was in broadcasting communications. I did radio stuff there. And then um, right after college, me and a couple of friends moved to LA and we were, I was in college in Ohio. So it was like a big move. It was a really big deal. Mm-hmm. That was one of the more pivotal moments of, of when I look back that changed everything it, hmm. you know, people, moving to LA moving to LA because that's where the industry is and it was kind of like no matter what I never wanted to be an actor per se and I don't know if that's just because I didn't have the guts to do it or say it but to be involved in the industry in some way I felt like I had to go to LA but it's yeah. really because of the friends that were around me my fr- I had friends that were like executors you know like yeah I was a dreamer but they're like the executors and that yeah. really helped propel me. Oh, and they were like, we're going. We're kind going. Of thing. And they weren't even doing entertainment. They were doing other stuff, but Whoa. They, they just, it was like, Hey, let's all move together to LA. Do you think that if you didn't have those friends, would you have done it? I have. Have know, you thought about I've that? I've thought about that a lot. And I got to say there are moments where I think I would not have. Whoa. Just because it took so much initiative. Well, that's so a big much. Move. And yeah. And like to have to do that solo versus alone. The, the reason I think it was possible, even not only just the incentive to do it, which I always wanted to, but to actually pull the trigger, but then to survive after here, like you get here, you land. Okay. Now you got to live and create life. If you don't, if I didn't have people that I already knew, I probably would have floundered. But I, so I always really, you had structure a little bit built in. Yeah. People yeah. that I knew from another phase of life. So that helped. Yeah. And so, so you just kind of naturally went into it, mm-hmm. but then you found success pretty Quickly well, no, I moved like, to, when I moved to we, we moved to Pasadena, and I was at the I was a front desk clerk. I was like I had done a, I had been a bellman at a hotel back okay. in West Virginia, and then and so I I bounced out here and immediately <laughs> started. The, I went down the hotel circuit. Isn't that um, so true though? Yeah, where it's like I'm going to start this thing, and then you it's just sort of like the dream is now planted, but now it has to grow. It's well, weird. It was it's a good lesson like learned early on. I remember yeah. my dad always said like, "All right, you got to." eat and pay your rent first and then you can dream Mm. like that's a good point and a lot of people i think kind of forget that like you need to do you have to be stable right (laughs) anyway i was a front desk clerk hilton garden in arcadia what's up and uh this is jeremy how can i help you and that taught me so many lessons but anyway i ended up having um just i it's a weird it's kind of a long boring story i don't know but there was a friend of the family my dad's friend from west virginia that he went to high school with this guy yeah. named Jim Piccarillo, who then moved to L.A., and he was a producer here mm-hmm. that did a bunch of stuff. He was nice enough to give me a list of contacts mm-hmm. that were just kind of like l- the crack the door open, right? It wasn't like it, it yeah. wasn't sort of like the red carpet rolled out, but it was like, hey, here are people that you can you can hustle and contact these people. Secretary at Dick Clark Productions. Uh, he knew more than the secretary, but it's like people at NBC, people at ABC, people at all these different production companies. So I just started making phone calls. And I kind of learned to bug. I did learn who the receptionists were. Like I literally would call the same person. Hey, it's me again. But not, I would bug them, but not to the point of being annoying. Finally, the one that broke through where they were like, all right, yeah, we'll pass. We're going to, we're getting your name in. Was it Dick Clark Productions? Mm. And the next thing I knew, a production coordinator called me and said, hey, we'd like you to work as a PA, production assistant, which is, if people don't know, that's the grunt level, below grunt level entry point. Yep. We'd like you to do that on the American Music Awards this year. I'm not kidding you. I listened to that voicemail and like I was a mix of screaming, excited, and crying. Yeah. I could not believe it. 
could not land. It was like, you know, it was like $75 a day for very long days, literally like carrying bottles of water and cases of water and moving stuff around, setting up phones. And, but that was the thing yeah. that broke through. And it was, and I ended up doing a year of my first show was American Music Awards, then Golden Globes and all that. I ended yeah. up doing a year of Dick Clark shows. And that ended up transitioning me out of the hotel thing because it became, I ended Consistent up enough. getting more work from it. Right. I traced everything back to that and the connections I made, people Whoa. I met there that then launched off to other stuff. Well, and that's what people don't realize, I think, in the L.A. scene, too, is you have to just sort of, like, know people. Yeah. You really do. My attitude was kind of like, I would rather have, if I'm going to have a random job, I would rather it be connected to the industry that I want to be in rather mm -hmm. than not at all. Again, that's different than actors yeah. who need to have freedom to have auditions. They'll work at a restaurant. But for me, I was kind of like, I, I'll do production stuff. I want to do that. I want to learn more. So I'd rather be a PA or a coordinating producer or an associate mm -hmm. producer or work as a coordinator on a reality show rather than have a random job that has nothing to do with it at all. Mm -hmm. And as a result of doing that, I ended up be, be, you know, being networked with people that have ended up being pivotal in my career that ended up being on air. Yeah. And did you always want to do more news broadcasting type, like well, what you're doing currently? Growing up in the WV, it's like the <laughs> entertainment scene's pretty limited. Yeah, <laughs> you might be surprised to to hear that. I so have the, no idea. So the local news, the local news was kind of the the only tangible example of the industry, right? Yeah. And so I was a kid who it was like, hey, dad, drop me off. My mom and dad would drop me off down at the Charleston Sternwell Regatta in Charleston, West Virginia in the afternoon because Tom McGee was doing the channel 13 news broadcast oh live on the street at the event. And I just want to go stand and watch like a total creeper borderline, like get security. They no doubt had my face on a piece of paper somewhere. Like just watch the kid. kid. He hasn't done anything, but there's something real <laughs> weird. Plus I had like the little stash that came in like my mustache. Oh, so when I for like fuzz stash. a creeper stash, oh, no. I was like when I think back, it's shocking they didn't remove me. They didn't know, and I, I but and I was I was all about that stuff. I would I was like a news stalker, borderline as a as a preteen and again teenager. Like I should have known better, but I was obsessed with it. I just loved the idea of it. Whoa, crazy! So you get this American Music Awards. You're in, You're like snowballing in this thing. Then you go work. For Reels Channel. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm probably jumping. Stuff, but that's fine. It ended up being, yeah, I worked with people that ended up pulling me to do a job, pulling me to do a job. Next thing I know, someone that I had worked with previously ended up being an executive at Reels Channel before mm -hmm. it launched. And he hired me as a producer, an associate producer for a show called Secrets Out with Leonard Malton. Mm -hmm. Leonard Malton, fantastic movie critic who I will always appreciate and love because I it's like I got a He teaches classes at USC, and I feel like I got his classes just by working on his show for a couple years. Cool. And then, and, and he, that, but anyway, that guy hired me in a, as an associate producer on that show and said, Hey, I know you can do on camera. Cause I had had, I gotten a little bit of a reel before when I'd worked with him. So when something opens up, yeah, we'll try to plug you in. And within like a year, something pl uh, worked out. There was a show called the big tease. They had had a singular host. They decided to make it two co-hosts. And so yeah. I kind of did a test that went well. And so then I became the host of that show. And since then, I was 26 when that happened. And I've been hosting ever since. Whoa. So what was the, sorry, what was the timing when you came to L.A. to when that happened? Um, Four years? Yeah. So I probably, was I 25, 26? Yeah. So it was probably like maybe four years. That's not that long, which is great. I mean, it's encouraging. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I know it was, it was like long, but I mean, 
and I wasn't at the hotel that I was working in production for that period of time for for a lot of that. Wow. So I was here for three or four years before, and then when I, then I find I transitioned from on the being on the production side to hosting, and then that was that was that, and then I've been hosting ever since. Yeah. And then you moved into New York five years ago. Five and a half. Yeah. Five and a half. So I was in LA a total of ten years, but the real channel job went. I did like three different hosting jobs, which was incredible because the world opened up for me at that point because I did that that show, but then. I ended up doing movie junkets, and for people who don't know, when a movie studio is promoting a movie, they do huge blowout junkets. A lot of them are in L.A. or New York, but then they also will be global. They'll be in London or wherever. I got to go to Rio and, I mean, London and, and, uh, and Spain, and I mean, we just had so many incredible trips where you're flying out, interviewing the cast of these movies, and doing really fun experiences connected to the making of the movie. So that was incredible, and yeah. I met a lot of people doing that from different parts of the country and um yeah you know that that stuff ended up being really invaluable too because it, you develop this ongoing reel of yeah connecting with huge stars and having interviews and new interviews and another new yep. interview and um and then that ended up so that went away they got rid of long story short they got they canceled the in-house production of that show and then i was floating freelance for like a year in the meantime we had a baby my wife and mm-hmm. i and so then I was freelance between when um, our first little girl was between one and two, which was a f- that period of time I now look at as one of the most pivotal mm. realignments of my identity, my sense of self. I don't want to be like super heady or whatever, but that really was like that was a time that I really yeah. I feel like from a faith perspective, I was much more reliant on it. I was really I had to figure out what it meant to have a sense of identity separate from a job, which Mm -hmm. sounds so stupid in some ways, but you don't realize how much you find a sense of worth in your work until it's gone. Right. And then, um, that, that realignment and then the time spent with my little girl, it was really tough. Like there were times where I just felt so bottomed out, like spirally and like it's over. And then, but also this weird underlying drive to like, all right, I'll just, you know, it's freelance work. Every, a lot of people in LA are, yeah, most people maybe are, are freelancers. And so just that constant pounding the pavement, making phone calls, annoying people again, and then yeah. and pushing f- forward. Hey guys, it's your girl, Carly. I'm here to tell you about the coolest flower delivery service that exists. It's my sister company, Primary Petals. You may have heard of Primary Petals before, but did you know that we are going nationwide? It's an amazing service that sends really cool and unique flowers to anyone's doorstep in the lower 48. Guys, we have sent to every state and every bouquet has arrived so beautiful and so fresh, which if you know, is no small feat for shipping flowers. For my listeners, I'm giving 10% off using code BOSSYCLASS at checkout. If you want to learn more, please visit primarypetals.com. I connect with that because from, I have like a five-year period where I'll share with listeners too of more of my journey, but there was a couple of years where I just felt like there was, it was just really slow, like same kind of thing, mm-hmm. like that realignment moment. Did you also have that sense where you're, you weren't, you were worried probably of like, is this going to be a thing again? And like, whatever. But also this thing of like, I know that this is my calling and I, I know that it's just going to sort of roll out as it's going to happen. Like, yeah. Yeah, there was always a sense of even in my most desperate like, ugh, this is going nowhere. I I still had a sense of a door is going to open. Mm-hmm. And again, that's where like for me like the faith aspect of it. Like I just had a sense that like okay, doors are going to open. Like God's going to open doors. I really did feel that like that there was a, a trajectory yeah. that was in play. That okay, I'm I'm good, and this is a season, and yeah, things will 
it's a season. You live through a season for a reason. And then it turns into stop freaking out and start seeing what you're learning right now, right? Yeah. And, and some people obviously could be cynical and say like, well, that's just, you just come to that because you have no other choice. Well, maybe, but you still come to that yeah. and you still learn from it and yeah. it's great. Um, and then, you know, but the perseverance of it eventually paid off. I ended yeah. up doing like, um, I bugged, I, I got, I had gotten to know an entertainment producer, uh, at KTLA and like Sam Rubin, who's the, the KTLA entertainment reporter extraordinaire, Mr. LA, Mr. Hollywood for, you know, 20 years or more. He's incredible. Um, I gotten to know him at reels and his team, and then they ended up letting me fill in for him once on the KTLA morning show. And it went really well. And, and then Sam, thankfully decided to go on a lot of vacation <laughs> so i got to fill in a lot more i remember that we yeah, were was, all like high five yeah right yeah. no that was a huge deal and it was yeah. kinda, it was one of those things where like oh my gosh i remember the first time doing that literally pinching myself driving in at like four in the morning to that ktla lot seeing the the yeah. tower with the letters on it and realizing as someone that moved here like what an iconic place it was and how i thought of it from the time i moved here and the fact that i would be on that show was mind-blowing to me really was like yeah. every step of the way I really have, I'm a very nostalgic, emotional person. And it's almost like I can feel, it's like I'm feeling nostalgia in the current moment. It's like almost <laughs> like a, the future me is embodying me right now and feeling the nostalgia <laughs> as it happened, like real time nostalgia. How's yeah. that possible? But I have had that so many times. And the KTLA thing was one of those for sure. That is so rad. And then you've gone on to people. So that led me to go to, to KTLA York. sent me on a junket to New York. Yep to do interviews with the cast of movies. <laughs> and then while I was there, my agent was like, hey, people's auditioning for this thing because at that point, they were the brand was moving toward more digital video. They're launching this show, People mm -hmm. Now. And I, I squeezed in an audition. There were so many pieces of that that I could tell you that were like, again, it's where like you feel that there's a plan at work and there's like a hand in it that's greater than you mm -hmm. because of the, the alignment of like the timing of when I went the people that were involved in the other shoot I was doing that had direct connects at the place I was auditioning. And there were just so many things that snapped into place. Wow. They called me back. I flew back out a couple times to do chemistry tests. And then we moved three months later, right after we found out we were pregnant with number two. So it was like life changes galore. Yeah. We're moving across the country to a new job. We're pregnant with another kid. It's like navigating a new city, new city. And that city is New York, yeah. which is not an easy city to no. just bounce into. No. Um, what are you talking about? So easy. So easy. Yeah, I always. <laughs> it's I always, so cheap too. I, yeah, so cheap. Super uh, reasonable. Reasonably affordable. And yeah, easy to find a home. Uh, I always say that. <laughs> He's kidding. In, in hindsight, I've always said that New York kind of welcomes you, like bear hugs you with one arm, yep. and then like slams you into submission or punches you into oh, yeah. submission with the other. And then at some point, you develop a mutual respect for each other as person and city, and then you bow to it, and then <laughs> then you're fine. Then you're okay. And then you cry yourself to sleep. Not as often, yeah. but you still do. And you drop $20 every time you leave your house. At least. It, New York City, I've told you this, it reminds me of a college campus. Kind of. Where you're like, let's just walk to a friend's house. Yeah, there's a very um, – <laughs> within Manhattan, there are – and the boroughs have different vibes, but, like, we've always been Upper West and, like – and then just in Manhattan, there is a very – especially in the winter. Yeah. There's a very, like, hunkered down – smaller village -y vibe yeah it's like yeah that campus feel or that small community feel yeah. like we're all in this together we're gonna yeah. make it through hunker yeah. down let's well, get and everybody's it. on the street and you feel yeah, like you're, you're walking to class back. but you're going to the group i don't know i don't know i i, I cannot <laughs> get over yeah. it every time I'm there. i appreciate I what you're saying i'm not 100 percent on board but i get well it. you know we can disagree <laughs> we can disagree with um you. did you ever struggle with like any doubt self-doubt being in the industry mm -hmm. yeah for well, sure i feel like there's this constant 
there's the imposter syndrome, right? Like they're going to figure out that I'm a fraud. I, I, you know, like that yeah, feeling yeah, yeah. of like I'm not good enough. Every, I think everyone, no matter the industry, people yeah. feel that. Um, and then there's always the feeling in this kind of work, it always has an expiration date. It just does. Mm-hmm. So it's a matter of when, right? Mm. And that and that's that's kind of a looming. Everyone that I know that's a host or an actor or anything like mm. that, there's just always that feeling of how to make the most of this season yeah. while it lasts and, and to parlay it into other work. But, you know, it's been really, really good. And it's and it's thus far it's gone longer than, you know, than I even thought it would. Like, who, no one knew. So, yeah, there's that. There's always the doubt part. And I think there's also just like a healthy sense of realistic skepticism of everything because yeah. it's just not the type of work or industry that is super stable. Yeah. Even for the most, and I'm not like some like king of the castle, like really, really successful people still live with that reality. They just have millions of dollars in the bank. So it doesn't matter. As much. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, it's so, it's so true. Yeah. Cause I work with a lot of, you know, casts of movies <laughs> for my job and the same thing. It's for your like wedding planning for wedding planning designing yeah but there is definitely that sense of like hey we have this budget but we also are realistic that we don't know when we're gonna get the next job and it's like interesting and have you found that i don't know i i find that interacting with people in that world the world of actors entertainers Mm -hmm. people that have taken big risks and have now they have the fruit of the Mm -hmm. positive fruit of the risk because they're in a successful place whenever i encounter them usually it's promotional stuff Mm -hmm. so things are going well and there's something encouraging about hearing their stories of i was telling you earlier Mm -hmm. about one of the recent ones that keeps sticking with me and now that we're in award season i'm really thinking about cynthia revo Mm -hmm. the broadway actress from color purple and and she was just in harriet and she's nominated incredible just incredible talent but when i interviewed her for the the press junket for harriet she told me I was. I asked her something about like when you know when was her moment in her life where she felt like she really had to take that leap of faith. Yeah. Similar, and and it was drawing off of her 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 character Harriet Tubman, who obviously, you know, went through incredible uh, leaps of faith over and over again to do what she did. So Cynthia Rivo's story stuck with me because she said she remembers being at the airport when she was leaving the UK. She's British. She was to fly to New York. Yeah. And making the move and sort of. The feeling of you – know, there's something about airports, right? It's like this physical representation of a major life moment. It yeah. can be anyway. Like yeah. I remember flying from when we moved to New York. Yeah. We were in the airport in Long Beach with like nine bags, two carry-ons that were cats in a bag, <laughs> a child, and complete chaos. And it was such a physical representation of yeah. the life change. We're picking up we're, and – Here's our stuff. It's all – leaving across the country for a new life. So she had that, Cynthia Revo was telling me that she had that feeling and she had a full breakdown. Like she was crying in the airport. The gate agent was like, had to deal with her and like move her aside and whatever. Just thinking, I can't do this. I don't know what it's going to be like. It's scary and all that. Yeah. But she did it. And then of course, you know, the moment I was talking to her is doing press for the movie that has now garnered her an Oscar nomination, possibly a win. And by the time we hear this, yeah. maybe it'll be a win. But and w- which would make her the youngest EGOT ever. The point is she's had unbelievable success. And you just look at how close she could have been to just taking what would have been the more predictable, easy way out. Yeah. Which was not to come. Yeah. Not to make the move, right? Yeah. So it's stories like that that make you feel good about being a risk taker. Yeah. When in reality, I'm somewhat inspired risk taker, somewhat just like disorganized mess. <laughs> and I'm just like sporadic and impulsive. But then you're on the, what, I don't know, Today Show? Well, I got, so one thing that's, that's come out of working at People, there's a great relationship between, you know, people and the different shows. And, and I've been given the opportunity to, you know, as a People person, 
do segments and things on the Today Show. And then, like, yeah, this past year, I got the opportunity to fill in as co-host of the 10 o'clock hour, which is the Hoda and Jenna hour. Uh, I filled in, co-hosted with Jenna Bush Hager. And that was another one of those moments, like I said, yeah. where I feel, the, like, real-time nostalgia. I mean, I was a kid who, when I was 16, my birthday present was me and my dad went to the Today Show. We drove from West Virginia, stood outside the window. with the, I, I had <laughs> my, my stash, my little fuzzy stash. And a sign and could not think of the moment. That, I mean, I, I dreamed of it, but like it was just yeah. I remember driving into New York and it was like, I can't believe this place is even real and that I'm here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And standing outside that window. Yeah. And so then the first time I was ever on the Today Show as a, just doing a segment, one quick segment, I remember standing there and um, at the time, this was before the Matt Lauer scandal, Matt Lauer was still there. And I walked in the studio. They placed me to do a tease for the 10 o'clock hour. And Matt Lauer was right across and did like a live tease for the wow. West Coast. And that window, and I, I looked over and he was doing his live thing. And then right beyond him through the window was a crowd of people looking at him. And I just had that moment where I was like, I was standing out there. And then right after he was done, he walked out. And that same crew swung that camera over, that same camera over to me and said, all right, stand by. And it was like, <laughs> we're 35 seconds from your tease. And I did a live chance. tease. In that studio, it was just, and I know that, again, that stuff can seem so, like, cheesy and whatever. For me, those moments are moments I will never forget. It was like, oh, my God, that's as full circle, for meaningful for me as it gets. Is that, like, a moment where you think, I've made it? Or do you not even think that ever? I don't think, I think, like, oh, that was a big bucket list moment for me. I don't know. I, I hope I never get to a point where it's like, that's it. <laughs> Well, okay, so I have another. I know what you mean, but no, I don't. I, so I have another question with like, so when I hit a goal, like yeah. dream goal, like when I'm friends with Taylor Swift, you know what I mean? When you're friends um, with the T Swift and her cats. I, and her cats, and we're cooking bolognese in her and kitchen. And you have that cat kinda... carrier that you previously, right before this interview, told me you're going to buy because yeah. she has one to take on an airplane. <laughs> no shame. Yeah. In your game. I have two um, cats too. Okay. Yeah, and I love them. Yeah, like when you were on the Today Show doing the 10 o'clock hour. And then you go home. Are you just like, what, what do I dream about now? Or is it like, I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Like, is what? it almost like, yeah. I yeah. Don't, to I don't, hit, don't know when you hit a major milestone, yeah. like how do you stay motivated past it? Right. Yeah. Or like come up with a new dream or mm-hmm. goal or something. Is well, it like, and, be no, on it again. One, that is one of those things where, um, and I've gone through a lot of levels of that with just my, this work because it's been consistent. Thank God. And I've been very fortunate over five years now of, of having the steady gig. Mm-hmm. Um, that has afforded these other opportunities. And so for me, those, those, it, those types of feelings of motivation have gone from work-related to family-related, and that's a whole nother ballgame, right? Like balancing mm-hmm. being a, a dreamer-slash-driven person that can be obsessed with career or just like the work stuff. Yeah. Making good time for family and like my little girls and being a good dad and trying to trying to be a good. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. So so I guess my motivation has had, I think, having those other places to find it has really helped me in those the down moments. Right. Because then, yeah, you come kind of down from the high and all of a sudden it's this bottomed out like you could be depressed. And it's just sort of like what you're right. Like what now? And does what matters? Right. Yeah. And so to have a family. Yeah. has for me served as this place where I can redirect during those slumps or slopes and have something to kind of keep me charged and keep me going and then find the more, more motivation. But you're right. That is a, that, I, I think that's a strange thing to deal with and it would, and it only comes after reaching certain goals. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, and I, I like I've struggled with that, you know, over the years. I think that that's something that I have never like ha- been able to talk to a lot of people about because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, your life is so great or this or that. And it's like, yeah, but that one thing is like the piece for the next right. moment. And like now I have to like have a gap between it all. Yeah. It's like, ah! or I thought that this was going to lead to like this big thing. And then there's nothing for like a couple months. And yeah. it's like, what in the heck? This like, feels confusing. Gonna, I, <laughs> some of that comes down to a larger level worldview issue too. And back to the identity thing. And mm-hmm. again, like I don't want this to be like so heady and philosophical, but there really is no, something about not placing all of your sense of accomplishment and worth or uh, all of your sense of worth and yeah. motivation in accomplishment. Yeah. Because it is kind of like, all right, now what? I remember, I will never forget this. When I interviewed Anthony Hopkins for a movie uh, he did, it was called The Priest. He was like a d- demon-possessed priest, whatever. I can't remember the question I asked him, but the re- his response was he, re- he recalled reaching a level of fame where it was like the top. Yeah. And he, got, he said something like, I got there and realized there's nothing there. And it's like there's so many people that are you're, dri- you're chasing this dangling carrot that you don't even necessarily have a definition for or framework for. And then he's like, you finally got the carrot. But maybe there wasn't even a carrot there. And then once you got up there, you eat the carrot and it's just there's nothing there. So and his point was not to say there's nothing to success, but it was this reframing of finding out what's important in life and what's important as a person. Right. And like figuring out how to find meaning that isn't only contingent on your set of idealized accomplishments. Yeah, absolutely. I know you haven't watched it yet, but Miss Americana, you know, Taylor Swift, she talks about In that. her documentary. Yeah. Yeah. She talks about winning her second album of the year or record album of the year. No, I don't want to get that wrong. And she said that exact thing. She's like, I looked around and the only person that got me there was myself. She's mm-hmm. like, no one climbed the mountain with me. Mm-hmm. And then that's when she went dark for a year. Mm-hmm. She's like, I need to like have some fallback. I need to have family. I need to have friends. And, and I think that's so true, but it's hard to to know that it, unless you have like tr- accomplished a lot and then realize and it's not like there's no value in accomplishment, right? Like that, that it's, totally, it's a weird balance. You want to so like throw weird. it all out or not. It's like all or nothing, but there's, there isn't, it's a nuanced thing because yeah. there is something valuable about your sense of worth in setting goals, hitting them, accomplishing them. But then there's something else about having a sense of self-worth that's connected to something greater than yourself and something that's not just as fickle as getting a phone call or not. Yeah. Right. And I think what drives me and so many people I know that are in this kind of work is that dangling feeling of like, who knows when the phone's going to ring and what's on the other end. Right. Yeah. Maybe it's the biggest thing in the world. Maybe it's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and you got to learn to be okay. And part of, part of my mental game has been when the high, high moments happen Remember that like it's almost like to pull back a little and like remember just as much as I want to make that a bigger deal than it is and place so much worth into it. Mm-hmm. Think about when the low low happens and I have to remember that's not true either. Yeah. Neither of those are neither of those extremes are exactly true. Right. Yeah. The better place to be is like try to kind of pr- bring yourself to the middle. Yeah. Well, you've always done that really well. Well, I've articulated my that I want to do that well Well, from the outsider (laughs) thank you for saying that yeah uh, but that's not that's all I think that's a there's no such thing as like oh that's fine it's always like every single time that process has to go aggressively has to be recalibrated right oh do you find that a lot of people know I'm asking a question that I probably know the answer to but I'm just curious because you've talked more 
cast of movies than me um, and <laughs> musicians and whatever. But is that kind of the thing that you walk away going, wow, they're chasing this success that isn't. A hundred percent. And what's really interesting is. Or do you run into people that are, have their identity pretty secure? No, I, I, I guess both, but it is interesting to, t- especially when you talk to more veteran like a very accomplished stars like a Tom Hanks who was my number one ever and I had the most amazing interview with him the first time ever and I will never forget it thank you Tom he's my best friend um <laughs> I'm not his best friend he's I'm probably on a watch list for him too anyway watch out whatever that's a joke all right so uh but the more accomplished people have articulated things like that like especially like we're kind of in the age of reboots now yeah. and so we have ended up talking to a lot of people that are like suddenly splashing back with the show that got him famous 20 years ago yeah, and there's a real sense of appreciation for the new wave because they now know that from life experience more so than just head knowledge that like it it goes up and down. And so yeah, I feel like I've seen the full gamut of yeah of that like climbers who are new to it that don't that clearly haven't felt the burn yet of the other side of that coin. Yeah, and then people who felt both sides of the coin and have a really good outlook to, yeah. to kind of or at least they're again able to articulate it as yeah. if they have a really good outlook. Yeah. The other question I had was, you know, when I was growing up watching Oprah Winfrey or, you know, Dr. Phil, that was my three o'clock, four o'clock hour every day. So like when I would watch TV, I mean, I'm, I'm a 90s kid, watched everything. Yeah. Everyone felt on TV like this iconic star. And now with social media, it's like everybody's, a, it feels like. Everybody's kind of got like it. I feel like I could potentially be on Jimmy Fallon easily. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Right. With the right viral video, you're there. Totally. Right, right, right. Like, do you... <laughs> <laughs> Let's make this viral, you know what I mean? Yeah. This is um, going to do it, for sure. Yeah. But, like, have you been... I mean, you've been in the industry for, uh, what, 10 years? Yeah, sure. 10, okay. I'm not going to... Yeah, or give or take. Give or take. <laughs> have you seen that sh- that swing of, like, yeah. Stars, like it's Stars. almost more approachable, or is it just me getting that weird sense? No, it is. You're you're right. Well, and it's funny because I think they're like you think about our generation. I want to say our. I'm older than you, but I'm at the top end of that like that window. As the advent of YouTube and all that and social media started happening, it really did open up. And it's it's like you realize there was the, the same feeling I had when I was obsessed with the news guy. That same seed of yeah. kind of sparked interest. There was this like collective sense of like appetite for being in the industry, being famous, being or or being somehow connected to that 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 whole I don't know what that that the mystique of the industry that was something that was clearly and is shared yeah. across the board. Some of it's just like a, a I guess a thinly a thinly veiled neat hunger for fame, but I think that comes from a place of like people needing to feel important, yeah. right? Or needing to feel seen and heard and noticed and those types of conversations have happened a lot more over the past few years what it means to like acknowledge people and acknowledge certain groups appropriately and things like that so all those are good things but yeah you're right it's like the floodgates have opened yeah in a way and I everybody I mean, can come in right right <laughs> and like, so th- but that's kind of changing it in a way too where it creates a new baseline and then it means then like okay what's it mean to really be next level yeah within that world yeah yeah like how many people are actually icons anymore or like iconic people yeah, or right. whatnot what, or, like, or what are you just mean? doing like right cool you know makeup tutorials on youtube and now you're and what's the longevity of it like are the biggest stars right now on social media like a tom hanks for example in the the world of cinema yeah is there an equivalent to that in the world of like youtube fame i don't know i guess we'll find out in 20 years Uh, yeah true (laughs) yeah like (laughs) longevity is is that can actually like catapult you to that or do you just sort of stay i don't know i don't know oh okay 
Yeah. Yeah, because it feels it does feel so approachable now because you can just post whatever you want. Yeah. And people will come up to you and it's like it's this weird human condition of like, oh, I saw you on whatever. And you're like, I was in my bedroom. Like, <laughs> this isn't like I don't have a cool life like yeah. I have or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do, what do you think about like the like luck versus persistence like combination yeah, of both like question. what's your thoughts on all of that i think it's like and, and again that's something i would say i've gleaned over talking to many many celebrities that l- luck circumstance happenstance hand of god whatever you want to whatever yeah. you want to say is a huge factor yeah. in people getting the break right like i yeah. mean there are plenty of talented people that are more talented than than the people that have made it that aren't going to ever make it right Oh, yeah. Which is bizarre to think, but like, so the, there are all these things in the equation that are, that are kind of wild. And so I guess it's like, yeah, I'm still waiting on my like big luck moment <laughs> for next level. <laughs> Obviously. Is it? Yes, it is. Is this the moment? I don't yeah. Know. All of a sudden Oprah's we'll like, see. Hey, Jeremy, Carly, will you come interview me or something? And we're like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I thought of? That was another big <laughs> moment that uh, this is kind of a, tan- this is like That's a just okay. random story that popped in my head. I like it. Uh, a few years ago I was in. So one of my biggest things ever mm-hmm. as a kid was Saved by the Bell. Like oh. that was a show. I mean, but yeah, I, you reminded me when you were talking about 90s yeah, yeah, yeah. kid, whatever. Saved by the Bell played, it was, I mean, every, okay, I don't have to explain to you what it means to be a fan of Saved by the Bell yeah. or a show. Fast forward, as a kid, I remember singing about that, like, oh, what's life like out there? <laughs> whatever. In California. <laughs> totally. West Virginia, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Fast forward to just a few years ago, I was in at Katsuya in Hollywood with a group of friends and I went to the bathroom. And Katsuya is very dark. Like, it's dimly lit. It's vibey, cool, yeah. whatever. Go to the bathroom. Dark bathroom. It's like pinhole lighting right. above the urinals and the sinks. <laughs> Walk up to the urinal. There's someone beside me. Didn't notice who it was. Whatever. And by the way, as far as if people are, are trying to... There were only two urinals. So it's not like I chose to stand beside the guy and I should have gone down <laughs> a few urinals. There was only two. So that was, a, that was the choice. Use the bathroom. He finished before me. Goes back to the sinks. I turn around. Go back. Now we're both at the sinks. I can't get the motion to s- sensor to work at yeah. my sink. Kept going, kept going, kept going. And he goes, ah, oh, I had the same problem. And you can use my sink. And I look over, and it's Mark Paul Gossler. No! Zach Morris! Zach Morris! And it was the first time I'd ever seen him in person. And it was like, and I was fairly new to L.A. And I was like, I, 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 inside, I expl- it was like full explosion, like cue the meme or the gif of just like, and then, but like outside, I was just like, oh yeah, thank you. And I scooted over, used his sink, which worked perfectly, of course. And then he walked out and I walked out and walked back to the table, just like in a stupid, cheesy, t- toothy grin. And they're like, what happened? And I was like, I just peed beside Mark Paul Gossler and he gave me his sink. No. Stupid. Gold. But my gosh, I'll never forget it. That is that was when you first moved to New York. That I was, mean the LA. LA. That was within like oh. haven't been in LA that long. That is so funny. Anyway, that I was would a, have like, died. A, that was that was the, that was my Taylor Swift moment. Like what would be yours, your Taylor Swift moment. Yeah. That was it for me. Yeah, I, I think about that every day, but you know, that's besides the point. <laughs> it's a moment of silence. <laughs> moment of silence for Taylor. When okay, you've interviewed a ton of obviously. Mm-hmm you've said this successful people mm-hmm. have you seen what differentiates them from success is it like beauty brains whatever i mean like, i guess it depends right like it depends on what it is but I, for different people different different things yeah 
Or does, like, success, is it differentiated in people? I mean, I guess in the entertainment business, it's all what's hot at the moment, right? So, like, in the world of pop music or TV shows or whatever, like, the cast of shows, Mm -hmm. especially, like, think about young adult shows now that are streaming, the cast look different than they did 10 years ago. Absolutely. More progressive, more inclusive, more diverse. So, you know, that's a factor. Um, And then... You know, a person's drive is obviously a factor. And so, I, you know, for me, it's weird because I'm always interacting with people when they're having their high moment, when they're mm-hmm. promoting yeah. their thing. And so that's not the best, the most accurate perspective of their of the entire picture. But what's definitely true in those moments is like these are driven people. Right. Yeah. Like I is on the prize big time. Yeah. Right. And they'll then they're jumping through the hoops that are necessary to promote and to do it and to make it big and to like and put it all out there. Yeah. So they have the shot. So it's like the shoot your shot thing and they're shooting it and it's, you know, and so that, like that's. Yeah. That's part of it for sure. Yeah. But, but I mean, exactly what, you know, there, again, like what you mentioned before, yeah. there are all kinds of factors that play in to what's Absolutely. appealing. There's at a the formula. Yeah. And that formula shifts with the way the world right. is going. Right. There was the era whatever. of the 80s rock band, the, yeah. the ballads. And then, yeah. the, you know, it, it, it all changes. So there's, you know, th- that's obviously a piece of it. But yeah. and that is interesting to see, I guess, like how the appetites and how the climate changes and all those things affect. Yeah. Sort of who gets the breakthrough moment. Yeah. And you have to be the right age and the, and then the person and the time. Yeah. And yeah, I guess, I guess I think what we're kind of getting at, like there's just a business behind it. Yeah. End of the day. Like it's surrounded in this like glitzy, glamoury, like, oh, it's dreaming and and it is dreams, but it's like, it's the business. Yeah. Weren't you talking about that last time we met up where it was like some PR people, we're super pumped about somebody. Oh, well, yeah. Big moment we had um, when we did the SAG Awards live show. People does the um, – we do the official pre-show sh- pre with um, the Screen Actors Guild. And this year was just great. It's such a star-studded year. It's like Brad Pitt. Yeah. Charlize, Leo. Uh, these are all first-name basis now. Anyway, the list is huge. Robert De Niro. I mean, just huge stars. Scarlett Johansson. And uh, the list goes on and on. Let me keep – and let me say the whole list. But when Brad Pitt came up – so, you know, you're looking at an environment of it's a it's a red carpet arrivals area for an award show. Totally. Everybody there. Every other person is a star. Yeah. So the the baseline for for stardom is pretty high already. Yeah. And plus you're surrounded by industry people, PR execs and other people that are big execs. that you don't even know. People that, that are huge. big and people that have seen it all and are, you know, they whatever. Totally. Nothing phases them. Yeah. When Brad Pitt came up on our, our platform, we had an interview I will never forget when we, so we're it's a live show so we ended the interview tossed it to the other look, the other platform and then we were off the live show turned said thank you whatever I turned around as he walked off our platform and looked out and there was this sea of people all glued locked on him everyone with their phones out and then he walked down and everyone just like follows him and it was like wow the level of celebrity to to garner that kind of attention in that environment and, and, and it sounds so cheesy to talk about it, but there was a feeling. <laughs> yes, I was completely gushing. And yes, I was completely starstruck. And I'm not mad about it. Yeah, because you don't get really starstruck. I, do I don't as much. I mean, I'm a happy fan for sure. I'm not like, oh, I'm too good to be starstruck. It's just like after a while, you kind of, yeah, and you've seen people. It's like, okay, that's, uh, but Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston, I mean, that that was the next level, but he was particularly next level. <laughs> 
And I've heard he's really nice. He was very nice. He was charming. Looks you in the eyes. Seems Does like he smell looking, good? Seems like he's looking behind your eyes. I don't remember how <laughs> Looking behind He can look eyes. into your soul right through it. It's crazy. <laughs> Someone asked me to ask you this, and we can take it out if you're like. Oh. Um, but who is the nicest person you have interviewed? Mm. Like, very unsuspecting, so kind, very down to earth, like. Talking to your friend. That's a good question. Who is it? It's really hard to do. You know who is? Uh, one of the nicest. There, there have been a lot of nice ones, but like just fall over nice. Patricia Heaton. Uh, Everybody Loves Raymond, the wife. Oh, yeah. She's been into our show several times. I mean, there are so many nice people, but like she is exceptionally kind. And like kind of she leaves and you're like that felt great yeah it yeah, felt yeah, really yeah, yeah. good like leaves an impression who i mean there's so many there really are so many oh henry winkler interesting henry so the Fonz. like he came in he's having this great you know speaking of people that have had multiple waves of a career yeah henry winkler just won his first emmy award just wow. like what last year a year and a half ago to what good for, for, him. for barry after being such an iconic star for decades yeah rolls in talks to every crew member we had him in studio a couple times as well as talking to him on carpus talks to every crew member shakes hands name hello a moment shares a moment and then on he goes and here he is like a full icon next level whoa he's a legend and uh, you know is i I don't know like that every everyone is left with a smile in the glow of henry winkler having been in the room yeah well and being in production weddings and private events and whatever as the person that's Per, like leading the production that's what you should be doing mm-hmm. like that is good business that's professional not to mention just being a great person right but that's i get a lot of that where people are like wow that was so fun to work with you i'm like that's isn't that the point mm-hmm. like aren't we like supposed to be having fun here mm-hmm. exactly right <laughs> but yeah I'm, I'm always like surprised that i don't hear more of that yeah then i I've also found oftentimes it's the people that are at that phase of their career that really appreciate it. Like Jay Leno was the nicest guy ever. Danny DeVito was the nicest guy ever. People that have had, they can now look back at it with a lot of perspective. I, maybe there's a, maybe it's like just garnering a new level of appreciation. I don't know, but, or maybe they realize their role now. Like they can walk into any room and just, and just either leave people with a devastated feeling because their hero was a jerk or, they can leave people with a story they'll tell the rest of their lives. Jay Leno came in, and I was telling him how much my dad we, – we used to watch the show every night. My dad loves you. and He's like, let's call him right now. And I was like, what? Okay. We FaceTimed my dad that right so then. Awesome. And Jay Leno talked to my dad, and then the phone died mid-call. Oh, come on. Of course it did. But it, they still had a good interaction. Okay, good. My family will never stop telling that story. You know, yeah. like we, that we will tell That's that story highlight. for the rest of our lives. Yeah. And so anyway, the point like he knows that and, and people and like Henry Winkler, I think, know that now. And, yeah. and it's just really enriching to, to encounter someone with that kind of platform and that kind of power and that they're using it in a way that like just makes people feel so good. Absolutely. Well, that happened with I got to share mine because yeah, I don't get sure. it as yeah, yeah, much yeah. as you. When I met Julie Andrews. Oh, whoa. Okay. Have you met her? Yep. I interviewed her for what? Despicable Me? <laughs> I think that was it when she did The Voice. Yeah. What? I didn't even know she's in it. Nicest lady. And Sound of Music is my favorite movie of all time. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. no competition. I got to meet her and she signed this book that she had written. And it was, you know, it was, it was definitely like an isolated, like, you have three seconds with her type of thing. Mm-hmm. But we talked, we had, we shared a moment about my, what I was wearing. Mm-hmm. She's like, I love your dress. I'm like, so wanted to like, like yeah. breathe you know and then we talked about 
her dress, her wedding dress in the movie. Oh, I was like, I'm so a wedding cool. planner. Where, where was this? This was in, uh, I think this was in Glendale, like a handful of years ago. Wow. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. I have like books signed by her and she's like, oh, I love that dress and I love yours. And I was like, that is really good. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That was, that was a moment that that's a party. That's a party story. Party story. We're For sure. Two truths and a lie. Yeah, right. No, Julie good. Andrews likes my dress. <laughs> They're like, You're winning that every time. Boy. Like, no way. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a good one. No, yeah. that's good. And with your wedding stuff, I feel like you get a really unique perspective. I, I at some point down the road, mm-hmm. you need to write a book where names are not disclosed. Well, yeah. maybe they are. I don't know. No, you probably can't. But <laughs> because you know the whole concept of the stress of a wedding and then yeah. it being like someone that we would all know. It's like, ooh, what ooh, yeah. Really like. When you've been to a couple of the weddings I planned too. Yeah. So, I have, and DJ'd, well, or not DJ'd, MC'd. Yeah. For, friends, for friends, for friends. Only friends. <laughs> He's not a professional <laughs> MC. I just wanted to let everyone know that you're actually an MC for a wedding. Yeah, right. Please call. Book <laughs> me now while you can. I throw a great party. I love getting people out there to do the electric slides. So, if that's your jam in 2020 or 2021. Um, wait, you want me to write a book on what? You didn't finish your thought. Just behind, like, the real, the oh, uh, what like, really wedding happens? confidential, what really happens behind the scenes with, like, the stress of planning with particular people. Oh, geez. You know, just air the dirty laundry of, of the I processes. Know. Who was the worst? Who was the best? That yeah. Kind of, like uh, the same questions you're asking me. Yeah, yeah. But like for you and your way. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I will say this. I have worked for the Dick Clark family. Oh, wow. Um, it, well, not for them, but we used their property. Nicest lady ever. His, Dick Clark's widow. Widow, yeah. Yeah, very nice. Sweetest I encountered her. So the year I worked at Dick Clark Productions, I was saying that was the year that Dick Clark had a stroke. So mid mid season. But I remember interacting with him Mm -hmm. very briefly in like a craft service tent. And it was literally like the feed of whatever show. I think it was rehearsals for the American Music Awards. And it was up up on the feed. He was getting food. I was getting food. And I looked over and realized it was him. And I was like, well, I'm not leaving, but I don't want to loom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we both like were like looking at the screen. And he just had some passive comment like, show's going to be great. And I was like, yep. And then he walked away, and that was it. But it was enough for me to be like, Dick Clark, oh my God. <laughs> I know. It was crazy. I remember going to their house, because we threw an event there, and like in his office, there was a, was all the Emmys. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like... There's like shelves of them. And that was like one of my <laughs> first interactions with like bigger names. and uh-huh. stuff. That was year, like years ago at this point. And, you know, wow. It's crazy. Yeah. Okay, we could go on and on and on and on. <laughs> this episode's like seven parts yeah. or whatever. Oh, I like you got a printed sheet of questions here. Look at that. Oh, nice. Didn't even notice. I, um, right now I'm noticing for the first time. Let's see if we asked Lightning everything. round. We didn't do that. Well, that was the last thing. All right, let's do it. Ready? Okay, yeah. What's your morning routine? Morning routine. I get up. I throw on a hat and just casual clothes. Mm-hmm. Go to I either take the girls to school or I get on the train and go to down to our office. I'm in hair and makeup at... Um, nine ish mm-hmm. we tape an alexa flash briefing for people right at 9 30 so you're video. the person that talks on Me alexa and my co-host, yeah uh, and oh. there's uh for people yeah we do the flash briefing there's a video version and an audio so anyway we start pre-tapes we do that then our live show is at noon and then we have interviews after that sometimes and then that you just asked for morning and i gave you the whole day so sorry <laughs> point is i fully get ready at work do you yeah. like that i love it yeah yeah i do hmm, nice um, let's see. What is the fav- your favorite movie of la- of this year that you've watched? Or mm-hmm. last year, this year, whatever. I, I like Joker. I thought Joker was really great. And Parasite. Okay. 
And Once Upon a Time. I liked all the nom. <laughs> I really did like all the nominated movies, but like um, I, I, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was. I loved the stylized thing that Quentin Tarantino does. I love seeing Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio together. That was just. It's just. It's just satisfying from a starry perspective, right? Yeah. It's just like oh, icons, yeah. Hollywood, pure Hollywood, totally. And then Parasite was so original and unique and thrilling and scary and weird and, mm-hmm. and funny at times. It was just like riveting. It was a great, yeah. great film. And then Joker, I'm just so impressed with Joaquin Phoenix's performance. Seriously. And, and that Todd Phillips, who did the Hangover movies, directed that. Wow. Is just like the aesthetic of it and his ability to bring a darker tone story. Although if you think about it, Hangover had a darker tone. So there's some, I don't know, I could talk about that a lot. But, <laughs> but I, I just love that given the fact that Joker, the character and the movie in general has such anticipation based on things we've already seen, other iterations of it, mm-hmm. to be able to do that in a way that felt fresh and different yeah. and really good to me was incredible. Then that laugh that he could do that laugh Dude, and make it work so and give it meaning and give it an origin in a way that made sense. Yeah. Loved it. Nice. Do you read? Not a ton. Okay. Well, we'll skip that question. I listen. <laughs> Have you listened to any good books? You know what? Do you know what? The, one of the, um, the ones that I was late to the game, but I really liked Katie Couric's book. Interesting. I know it's, an, it's not a new book, but I really liked it. Wow. Yeah. Kate, but again, that's that Today Show thing. Well, yeah, but. I have an audible wish list and I always go back and we'll get the put Katie Curry. Okay, on there. cool. Wait, what was the name of it now? <laughs> I don't know. I'll just get, it's fine. I'll put it in your show notes. Bum, 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 bum. Also, I just got to say that that's a question that your wife would answer super well. Oh what book gosh. are you reading? She's she a bookworm. She have the longest list. Literally sitting in bed, flipping pages. Yeah. Flipping pages. Yeah. She's um, reading a book, a paper book. She's the, she's, she's literally, the best. she's queen. She's, she's a queen. literary queen. <laughs> That was good. One more question. Is that good? I don't know. Do you drink coffee? And if so, how do you drink it? I drink more coffee now than I ever have. Because dad life? I'm cutting back. Dad life slash work life. Early yeah. mornings. We, when I first started the show, when we first started, people now moved to New York. I had to be at work at six. So I'd wake up at five. And for a while I was doing, I was recording voiceovers at home at 5.50 a.m. in the bathroom with a towel over my head. <laughs> True story. For a weird situation, but whatever. So now it's like... I've had to cut back. I cut back now to like hopefully just two a day, two cups a day. But so you're not a chain drinker anymore or whatever? No. <laughs> I'm just but, but I do love uh, oat milk is like the mm. my newest she-she like, mm, excuse me, I'm very high maintenance. I need oat milk. I don't have to have it. I'll drink. The thing is I like yeah. and prefer a really good cup of coffee, but I will drink anything. Like I'll drink the crappiest coffee just to have coffee. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So – I don't think I'm a coffee snob. No. Because I appreciate the good one, prefer it, but I will drink whatever. You're the Anthony Bourdain of coffee where it's like Thank you. you go to you go to the cheapest place to get a burger because it's there's art in it. There's art. And then there's also the high end Michelin star place. That's exactly right. Yeah. Thank you. Words in my mouth. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> or out of my mouth. <laughs> Words in my mouth. Either way. Whatever. <laughs> Thank you, Jeremy, so much Thank for being Thank you, Carly. Carly Ray Weddings. <laughs> That's my name to you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, thanks hey, this a lot. Been fun. Thank you for inviting me and having me. Yeah. Wee! Wee! And thank you for the glow light. You're welcome. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> this podcast is edited and published by the Primary Pedal Studios, written and hosted by Carly Ray Williams. Show notes are located at our website, carlyrayweddings.com forward slash bossy class. If you like what you heard today, subscribe, rate, and review us. 
Sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive content and bonus episodes. Thanks for joining us as we scale the mountain of success. This is Bossy Class.